Thank you, Pastor Jasmine. Good morning to all of you. Turn to someone on the right and left and say, I'm so glad to see you this morning. Well, this month is Missions Month. I think it's a bit hollow, la, my, my voice. Yeah, this month is Missions Month and uh, we actually gave out the Mission Faith Promise Renewal Form last week. Now, if you are not here with us uh, last week, could you kindly raise up your hands so that we can pass to you this form so that you can be part of the uh, members who are contributing or renewing their pledge. Now, if you are a visitor, you basically don't have to. Is there anyone? I believe that all of us uh, were here last weekend. Okay, good. Now, before we jump into the Word, let's commit this time to the Lord. Father, we thank you for this spread, for this morning. We thank you for your presence here. God, even as we gather here corporately, Lord, our heart's desire is to worship you and also to hear what you have got to tell us this morning. We ask, O oh Lord, that you will help us to stay focused and that God, may your word, O oh God, this morning minister to us, encourage us, build us up, O oh Lord. And through your word, may we align our lives to what you have got to tell us this morning as a church. Father, we pray for everyone who is here, especially, Lord, for those who may be discouraged, for those who may be sick, for those, O oh God, who may be seeking for guidance. Lord, we ask that wherever they are seated, Lord, may you minister to them even now. May your peace, O oh God, rest upon them even now, O oh Lord. Father, we also pray for myself, that God, I commit myself, my lips unto your hands, that Father, throughout this whole worship celebration, throughout the whole message that's going to be preached, Lord, it will be Christ-centered, that it will, that Lord, this message will glorify your name. In Jesus' name, and everybody say, Amen. Amen. My message for this morning is very simple. It says, do something that matters. I'm sure all of us want to make sure that our life count. I'm sure all of us here want to make sure that our life is not purposeless, but it is purposeful. And so I'd like to show and demo to all of us here. On my hand, what do you see is on my hand? Sorry? Hammer, you are right. This is used to hammer people. No, no, no. This meant to hammer uh, nails into a plywood. Now, if I don't have a comb and I decided that I want to comb my hair, can I use the hammer to comb my hair or not? Cannot. Cannot. Yesterday, some of the, in the two services, they all said, can. All I need to do is turn the other way around and use this to comb my hair. It can, but it won't do a good job. Why? Because it can hurt my scalp, right? Because it is made of steel and it has sharp edges. So this is used to hammer in nails. It's not meant to be a comb. So the purpose of this hammer is not to comb my hair. How about this? This all of us have at home. Now, if I decide to use this after the service to go down to one of the trees in PCC's compound and decided to chop down that tree with the spoon, do you think I'll be successful? Yes or no? No, right? I can chop until the cows come home. I can chop until my face turns blue and yet the tree will still be standing. This spoon is not meant to do the job of chopping down a tree. This spoon is meant for you and I to use to fill up our stomach, which is hungry when you eat. And so this spoon is manufactured or created for a different purpose. It's different from the hammer. How about this screwdriver? 
This is a screwdriver. What if I decided that after service today, I would like to go and have my lunch? And instead of using the spoon, I want to use the screwdriver to eat. Can or cannot? Cannot, right? All of us are fully aware that there's no way that I can eat with my screwdriver. So again, it has a different purpose for the screwdriver. The question is, do you know your purpose? Do you know your purpose in life? The truth of the matter is God has a purpose for all of us who are seated here. All of us know that you and I, we are created in the image of God. And you and I are created to worship God. That is true. But is that all that you and I are created to, to worship God alone? I know that God wants us to worship Him. But God also have, He has a different plan for us. And the purpose of God is that we touch people. Because God came by sent, God sent His Son to this earth, not only as the Son of God, but He sent His Son as a missionary to touch many, many lives when Jesus was alive. So God loves the lost. That is God's purpose. You see, His mission is to help and he releases his power and authority on us, not on the angels, on us, to help others. That is his purpose, and that should be our purpose. You and I, our hands should be a blessing. We should touch lives and add value to the lives of our people. And here, we are talking about people who have needs. People matter to God and ought and should matter to us. The vision of Penang Christian is what? Touching people and, come on, louder. Changing lives, touching people and changing lives. That means you have to interact with others. You've got to get involved in the lives of others. This morning, let's learn from how the Philippian Christians made a difference in the life of Paul. Shall we stand together as we read Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 to 20? Let's read it out loud. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I'm amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Kindly be seated. From Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus said, go and make disciples. That very word itself meant that you and I are called to be missionaries. Wherever you are, 
serving. Wherever God has placed you, whether it is in the office, whether it is at home, to your children, or whether you're in school and colleges, you and I are called to go and make disciples. You know, as we look at Paul's final words to the Philippians, you and I, we can learn the proper perspective on supporting missions as he speaks about how they supported him in the past. And also when he was imprisoned during that time, he was under house arrest. Now God has chosen to do the work of missions through the financial support of faithful people. That is why PCC always renews our missions faith pledge. You know, based on this, we are disbursing 54,450 ringgit a month to all the various organizations that you and I are supporting. And it comes from you and me so that those who are out there in the missions field, whether they are training new pastors, whether they are training new missionaries, whether those who are already in the missions field, not all of us can go, but all of us can give and to pray and to write and to email and to give them words of encouragement. Do you know out in the missions field, missionaries can be very lonely because they are in a different culture. The food is also different. The language is also very different. They cannot just, they cannot be like you and me, that whenever we crave for chakwetiao, we go and eat chakwetiao. They cannot. Because the food there is totally different. And so it is always good that you and I, we can come alongside them and partner with them that they will be able to do the ministry out there without having to worry about whether they are going to be able to pay for the utility bills that all of us pay every month, whether will they have food on the table for themselves and for their children as they go out and serve in the ministry. Because these are basic needs, even for missionaries who are out there in the field. You see, God, in His wisdom, chose to provide even for Jesus when He was on earth. Luke chapter 8, verse 1 to 3 says, Soon afterward, Jesus began to tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took His 12 disciples with Him along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. Meaning to say that this women, by the way, only the name of women are mentioned here. I don't know why no man's name is mentioned. Maybe women is more relational, so therefore they have a heart, you know, for Jesus. So they were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. Hey, Jesus is a son of God and he's fully man as well, I understand. But yet, he still needs the support from people as he goes around doing ministry. Jesus was faithfully supported by people who are rich and who are poor as well. That's in the New Testament. How about in the Old Testament? In the Old Testament, God sent Elijah to Sidon. He commanded a widow to provide for him there as well. How about Nehemiah? When Nehemiah heard that the walls of Jerusalem was broken, he was, he, he was frantic. He wanted to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and he prayed. And after he prayed, he approached the king of Persia and God gave Nehemiah the favor, God's favor to be upon him. And, and, and the king of Persia basically re released Nehemiah out. And not only that, but he provided the resources to build, to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem as well. And so scripturally, it is biblical for us to support 
those who are out there doing the ministry. Here we learn from Paul how he was supported by churches in Macedonia. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 to 2 says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in His kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor. They are not only poor, they are very poor. But they also fill with abundant joy which has overflowed in such generosity. They were very poor. But yet they were generous. They gave abundantly. They gave out of heart of joy. They were generous people in spite of their financial situation. How would that look like in Malaysia? Let us use this as a benchmark, okay? I came across this article when I was preparing this sermon. And this is a very recent sermon. Let me quote this. This was taken from the Star Online newspaper dated 24th August 2019 by Nathaniel Tan with the heading, 33 ringgit a day for a family of four. Is that not poverty? Let me quote what Nathaniel Tan wrote. Malaysia officially uses 980 ringgit a month as the National Poverty Line Income or PLI threshold. In Sabah, the PLI is 1,180 ringgit and in Sarawak, it is 1,020 ringgit. If your household income is more than the PLI, you are not living in poverty, meaning to say that if your income is above 980 ringgit, you are not living in poverty. If your household income is less than the PLI, you are living in poverty. 980 ringgit a month translates to 32 ringgit 60 cent a day in a month with 30 days and less obviously in a month with 31 days. Therefore, if you have 33 ringgit a day to spend on your family of four, the government considers you to not be poor. That means you are quite okay, like you, are not, you are not poor. Let's break it down based on 33 ringgit, okay? That's what the government says, 33 ringgit, you're not poor. So let's, let's break down 33 ringgit. It's 8 ringgit 25 cents per family member. If we were to spend this entirely on food, that would be 4 ringgit for lunch in urban KL. That's rice, kangkong, and maybe an egg. And 4 ringgit 25 cents for dinner. Rice, kangkong again, egg, and maybe a papadum. Then he went on, forgive me, I don't usually eat breakfast, so I forgot to factor that in. At three meals a day, we have, say, one ringgit 25 cents for breakfast, perhaps one soft boiled egg. Three ringgit for lunch, subtract the egg that you move to breakfast, leaving you rice and vegetables. And four ringgit for dinner, hello again, egg. Tea or coffee is, of course, a luxury you cannot afford. It's ayapute, plain water, no ice for you. So if you have three relatively square vegetarian meals a day, that will leave you exactly zero for rent, no money to pay rent, no money to buy clothing, no money to pay electricity bills, no money to pay water bills, and also transport, and so on. So let me ask you, all of us here, the truth be told, is 33 ringgit poor or not poor? Poor or not poor? So you, you disagree with the government. The government says not poor. So let's use 980 ringgit PLI. Okay? The Macedonian, based on what Paul said, is that they were very poor. They don't even get 980 ringgit a month. They're very poor. But out of their poverty, they were rich because they were not thinking about themselves. They were thinking about the kingdom of God, the gospel, the good news that needs to reach those who have never heard of the gospel before. So let's learn from Paul this morning from the letter to the Philippians. I'd like to read to all of us again that missions giving must be renewed. That's my first point. 
Verse 10 says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that, you, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I want you to remember these two words, renewed and no opportunity. The question is, where was Paul when he was writing this letter? Paul was under house arrest during that time. Traditionally, Bible scholars say that he could have been imprisoned. He could have been under house arrest in Rome. Here, this is Philippi. Traditionally, Bible scholars said he could be in Rome. But then, there are other Bible scholars who said that, no, he possibly is not in Rome. He could probably be in Caesarea. So let me ask you, Philippi to Rome, is it far or not? Far, right? Caesarea to Philippi, far or not? Far, right? But wherever Paul may be, whether in Rome or Caesarea, the Bible scholars cannot come to a conclusion. But what we learned was that Paul rejoiced greatly in the Lord. Okay? Paul rejoiced greatly in the Lord because of their renewed, the Philippian Christians' renewed concern for him. There are two things why Paul rejoiced. He rejoiced in the Lord because he sees their gift as a sign that Jesus is at work in their lives. When your life and my life is touched by God, there must be a transformation. Because the God that you and I worship is a God who gives generously and gives liberally, and He's a God who never withheld good things from His people. He blesses. And the first thing that He has ever done even if you cannot think of anything that how God bless, has blessed us, is that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross to die for all of us so that you and I can be redeemed. We can be called His people. That is how God gave. He, not, he, only, he, he gave His one and only begotten Son. It's a, we, we worship a God who gives, and therefore we must be a people who is willing to give, to bless Secondly, Paul is joyous because he regarded their gift as an indication of their concern for him. The word that Paul used, renewed, is a gardening term used of a flower or tree budding or blossoming when spring season arrives. Of course, over here, you and I, we don't get to enjoy spring whereby you see flowers blossoming because we see flowers everywhere, every day. But in those days, in where Paul comes from, there is spring and, and, and flowers do come out. Now, it was estimated that Paul was not supported by the Philippine Christians for more than 10 years. Sepulo tahun, one decade. Now, why had the Philippines not given in 10 years to Paul's ministry? The Bible doesn't tell us, but we could probably speculate. We could probably come up with a few possibilities. Number one, they may have lacked the capacity. Remember, they are poor. We can't give what we don't have. They may not have enough money to send to Paul. That's one possibility. Second possibility, they may have lost communication with Paul. They lost communication. Can't get in touch with him. That's why they couldn't support him. Thirdly, they may have lacked the right mindset. They may think that others will give. I don't have to give. So that's why they, they never give. Fourthly, they may not know the needs of Paul as he was under house arrest. Fifthly, it could be due to the long distance between Philippi to Rome or Caesarea, like I showed you the map just now. The distance is far. From Philippi to Rome is already far. From Caesarea all the way, from, from Philippi all the way to Caesarea is even further. So these could be the five possibilities that Paul did not receive the support because he said you lack opportunities. Friends, today you and I do not lack in opportunities. In fact, you and I, we have the opportunities today. See, when you and I, we decide and we choose to renew our mission's faith pledge, the 
money that you give. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be small. It's up to you what God has put inside your heart to give. That will reach to our missionaries as well as to the training centers that we are supporting. So you and I, we have the opportunities to be a blessing. It's not that you and I are lacking in opportunities. We have plenty of opportunities. So whatever the reasons may be, what is important in this passage is that they have renewed their concern and as a result, renewed in their giving. So renewing our pledge is biblical because here we learn that the Philippine Christians renewed their support for Paul. Following the footsteps of the Philippines, our giving should continually be renewed like a flower that is blossoming. We are commanded to excel in it. Consider what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. You and I are called to be generous people, to be a people with a big heart. We are people who are there to say that I am here, Lord, use me. So the question is, what is the definition of generosity? Generosity is sharing what I have, giving what you have to others. It's very simple. But there are opportunities for us to give. The question is, will you give? Generosity can be described very simply as changing one's focus from self to others. Dr. John Maxwell says, Acts 20 verse 35 says, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 to 13. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. Friends, You and I, we need to learn contentment just as Paul. In every circumstances, whether you have plenty or you are like the Macedonian Christians who lack finances, you and I, we are called to be contented in our station of life. You see, Paul used the word learned. In other words, he meant that he learned from his past experience. And you and I, we should learn from our past experience. What did Paul learn actually from his past experience? Let us look at what he went through. Paul had been shipwrecked, he was beaten, he was imprisoned, and he also experienced times of prosperity. No doubt, on some of his missionary journeys, the churches would support him and take good care of him. Some churches were wealthy, like the church of Laodicea. So Paul has his ups and Paul has his downs. It's the same like all of us, but in, in spite of all that Paul went through, one thing he learned, he learned to be contented. But the thing is this, that we all, all of us know that contentment is commanded for Christians. But we need to apply this into our own personal lives. And you know, the media and the culture of this nation will never leave us alone. We are bombarded by social media, we are bombarded by advertisements, by culture, and the one thing that they keep telling us is that you do not have enough. You are lagging. In other words, in order for you to be who you are, you need to look like this. You need to dress like that. You need to stay in this location. You need to hold this kind of job. You need to drive this kind of car. You need to have this kind of devices on your hands and at home. That's what the world is telling us. You see, the thing is, is that when you and I are not this, uh, when you and I are not contented, you and I will be like other people who will complain about your family, about your children, about your in-laws, 
about your job, about your home, about your car, about your clothes, about the church. Music too loud, music, music too loud, aircon too cold, no parking. Yeah, we gripe, we complain. Friends, let us learn to be contented. If the aircon is too cold, bring a jacket, it's okay. Yeah. Let's just thank God for this auditorium. Let's thank God for what God has provided for us. Let's look at what Timothy tells us in 1 Timothy 6, verse 6 to 8. Or what Paul tells us through this. Contentment is being able to enjoy what we have. That's the meaning of contentment. But look at scriptures. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. All of us have the same starting point. When we were born, we don't even have a pampas around our waist. When you and I die, our hands don't bring cash to heaven because it's going to go down to six feet underground even if you decide to hold on to the cash. If you're going to go through the incinerator, if you're cremated, your money all will be gone as well. So you and I, we bring nothing into this world. So let us be contented when you have your breakfast this morning and when you have a clothes to wear and you have a home to go to later, you have a car that you can drive. Let's all be contented. Paul was a man who knew what he had. He was aware of all that God had given to him. That's Paul. But what about us? Why are we discontented? Because, but they bypassed this wounded man. He said, this is none of my business. Friends, all of us who are seated here are priests. Whether you want to acknowledge it or not, the Bible says that you are a royal priesthood. So all of us here are priests. We are all Christians. In that context, they are Christians. They saw a need, they bypassed. Came uh, this Samaritan man. The Jews hated the Samaritan people. If the Samaritan man came and saw this man and he moved on, we can understand because they never loved each other. But we learn that this Samaritan man stopped, attended to this wounded man, bandaged him up, put him on a donkey, took him to an inn, and then after that, paid the innkeeper, asked the innkeeper to take care of this person, and then he said he's going away on business, and when he comes back, he will pay the innkeeper some more. You see, he saw an opportunity, he helped. Will you be like the priest, like the Levite, or will you be like the Samaritan man who stopped and do something different? You know, I want to share with you this, that uh, this month I've been receiving, uh, I've been channeled, so to speak, channeled with people who are really in need of help, desperately in need of help. I want to share with you that there are, there are ladies who are in their 30s, abandoned by their husbands, with young children. And so I've got to minister to them. And, and most of the time, at least these two cases, Pastor, we need help. We are going to be evicted by tomorrow if we don't settle our, our rental. And our landlord says that, that's it, tomorrow you are out. If not, we will lock you in. So let me ask all of us here this question. Abandoned by husband, children, young children, some of them are even about 10, 10 years old, some of them are even toddler. What are you going to do? Are you going to say, let me pray for you, God bless you? 
So you've got to do something. So with the church, we were able to disburse some kind of financial aid to them. But by the grace of God, some cell members heard about this and they said, Pastor, we want to come alongside and we want to chip in also to, to, to help this family because we cannot stand to see the children evicted and most of them come said, Father, uh, Father, Pastor, no food for our children. It's a real story. And it breaks my heart. So after helping them to settle whatever that they can, we point them to WCC. I have written two letters to our YB, Politicus YB, to ask for the state to step in to help these families. Of course, some of us here maybe say, Pastor, are you sure it's not a con job? Well, whether it's a con job or not, if there's a need, we meet first, meet their needs first because I cannot stand to see children going without food, toddler, or even primary school students. It's not easy. That's why we learn from John who says that we, when we do unto this, we are doing unto Jesus. So, 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 so what happened like last week? Last week when I stepped into the office, one of the admin staff said, hey, Pastor, there's a call from this lady who said that she wants to meet up with you and mention a name. Do you know this lady? I said, no, I don't know her. Who is she? No, no, she said she wants to come and see you. And lo and behold, I didn't know that actually she was downstairs. During this time, as the service is going on, she and her toddler son was seated downstairs. And some, some of the church members say, oh, when they look at her, they say, oh, sure, this one, come see Pastor Thomas one. So true enough, she was channeled to me. And then she said, Pastor, I called the office this morning looking for you. And said, by the way, how do you know my name? I said, I've never seen you before. Oh, she said, I posted that I needed aid in my Facebook. And somebody responded and said, and posted your photo there also, said, now go to PCC, go and see Pastor Thomas. <laughs> That's how I came to Pastor Thomas to, to see you. That's how I call up PCC and, and, and to look for you. Wow, I said, I didn't know that People got my photos now. Started <laughs> posting on social media. And she told me, Pastor, I got no money to buy food for my toddler. No more milk. I have to feed him with teo. And true, she fed the toddler with teo because she took out the milk bottle because the baby was seated, sitting on my table. And he, the, the baby was hungry. So what are you going, what, if you face with this, what are you going to do, I ask you? So there are real needs even here, not, not out there. But we, where God has placed you, this is an opportunity for us to minister, to minister to them. Let's love with, Words, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. In 2018, last year, I led a team to Nepal. We went in the month of May, uh, no, in the month of March last year. But before Chinese New Year, by then my budget was all approved already. Pastor Palin, the one who gave an update, or Rakesh Poon, who came last week to share an update, called me from Pokhara in Nepal to say, hey, pastor, I've got two requests for you. Can you help me that request? Say, pastor, first request is the school up in the mountain, Pronagaon, where we are going, needs six computers because the computer in the school broke down. It's been there for more than five years. They need computers. Pastor, can you meet that need? I said, Pastor Ramesh, my, my, my budget is already approved. And I, I said, I will see what I can do. Then after that, he called me and said, hey, Pastor, I got school bags. The children who are coming, there are 71 of them. 
can you provide school bags for the children? I said, again, I said, let me see what I can do because my budget is already approved. And so I was saying, God, what can we do? There's this, again, our real needs for the students up in Purnagao. And lo and behold, I received a phone call. I received a phone call from our Datin, Datin Karen Ng. And she said, Pastor, I got a friend who is a non-Christian who is willing to give away financial aid to charity homes before Chinese New Year. And so I gave her a list and said, okay, let, give your friend this list. And I thought, it's over already. Finished. By the way, the homes I gave was those not supported by the government one, those who are very seldom uh, supported. So lo and behold, I said, okay, lah, done, finished. Then suddenly she called me again. Hey, Pastor, my friend is asking for more. I said, I got no more already. I said, but if I can so boldly ask you, can you check with your friend to see whether can, can your friend donate six computers and 71 school bags or not? And she said, wait, 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 let me get back to you. So finally she said, okay, okay. Uh, he said, Should not, shouldn't be a problem, but give a quote first. So I called Pastor Ramesh immediately. Hey, Pastor Ramesh, give me a quote of the computers that you have over there and also the, the code for the school bags. And so after working out, of course, I, it was in Nepali, rupee. So I WhatsApp to Datin and Datin later said, hey, uh, this one in Nepali, lah. can you convert to ringgit for, for us or not? So I converted to ringgit. Lah. Uh, then after that, the answer came, can, 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 can. He said he agrees to pay for the six computers and the 71 school bags. And so after that, I called Pastor Ramesh. Hey, Pastor Ramesh, good news for you. Lah. I said, there is a brother who is willing to bless the computers and these are the, these are these are the computers, these are the computer shop, okay, that we took to the mountains. This George, our member, this is uh, Jeevan, Pastor Ramesh or Rakesh, and this Durba, his, uh, his helper, who went up together with us. Next, these are the school bags for all the children. Look at all the children who came for the children ministry. So when school reopens, guess what? All of them will be walking to the school with the same school bag. <laughs> Uniformity. So here we learn, John is telling us that helping the needs of our brothers is an act that proves the love of God lives in us, that our lives have been transformed and changed. But even as you renew your missions, faith, promise, pledge, you and I must continue to give our offerings and our tithe to the church, but we also should be prepared to help the urgent needs of others, and especially those serving in the mission field. Thirdly, missions giving will be rewarded by God. Verse 17 says, Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. See, Paul used the word credit over here. Now it's a business terminology. God was keeping a record of their giving and they would be rewarded by God. Our giving is recorded and will be rewarded up in heaven. Now it has been said that everything we earn will one day be left on the earth when we die. However, when we give to the Lord, He will follow us up to heaven. You see, God honors your giving by crediting it into your account and rewarding you in heaven. 
We are reminded by Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21. He says that, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break it and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. What have been in your heart and mind for this morning, yesterday, the whole of last week? Because that same thing that crops into your mind, everything you open up your eyes, that is your treasure. So the question is, what is your treasure? Is your treasure in doing, in, in, in giving, purposefully and intentionally? You see, when you give, it goes up as a fragrant offering. Philippians 4.18 says, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. When you decide to give, it pleases the heart of God. You see, to the Philippians, they think or they thought that they are just giving to God. Are they just giving to Paul? I'm just giving to Paul. Paul, I sacrifice. We, we, we give generously to you to bless you. That's what you think. But in actual fact, we learn that we are, when we give, we're actually giving to God. Yes, you, they do give to, to, to Paul, that's for sure. But actually, they were giving up, they were giving to God as well. That's the, the truth. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, verse 37 to 40, he says, Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe, and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. See? When we decide to be a blessing, we're actually doing it unto God. Whatever we give, even to the least of brothers, is essentially given to God. There are sweet-smelling sacrifices that bring pleasure to the heart of God. Luke 6.38 says, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you as well. You see, God is adapted to none. He will bless you back abundantly. He doesn't like to owe you. He wants to bless you back. Philippians 4.19 and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. This is a promise for you as well, that when you give, God will meet all your needs as well. Philippians 4.20, To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now the word glory here means weight of something. When we give, we demonstrate how much God really matters to us. We demonstrate something of what is characteristic to His nature and glory. As we faithfully and sacrificially give, we bring glory to God eternally through the gift. The Westminster Catechism says, man's very purpose is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Amen. So God, to wrap up, these are my three points. Our giving has to be renewed. Our missions giving has to be renewed. Our missions giving has to be intentional. Our missions giving will be rewarded by God. God will provide for all of your needs. The question is, how will you and I respond today in the area of supporting our missionaries, our training centers, You see, God wants you to have a purpose in your life. God wants your life to matter. And let us make our life matter today, this morning. You see, it's not how much you give. 
I like what Mother Teresa says, and I like to quote her, it's not how much we give, but how much we love, how much love we put into giving. Let us sow liberally, let us give with joy. Let us give with love in our hearts. Let's stand together as the worship team comes back. Let's begin to do business with God wherever you are standing. Let's begin to ask God, God, what do you want me to do this morning with my life? Besides giving, you can actually also write to the missionaries. You can pray for the missionaries every day. But what will you do this morning if in the area of giving? You know, ask God, God, what do you want me to do? How much do you want me to give? It's between you and God. You see, I'm not forcing you to give, but what I'm saying is this that as you choose to do what God has placed in your heart, what God has spoken to you, let us be obedient children of God. Let us emulate the life of the Samaritan men. That our life will touch. You know, when you give, sometimes you and I, we don't even know how others will be touched by the gospel out there in Nepal, in China, in Romania, in North Thailand, in South Thailand, in the Philippines as well, in the UK, even in our own country, Malaysia. You and I, we don't know. But you and I, we can partner and say, God, we want to see more souls being saved. And though I cannot go into the missions field, or I don't even have the capacity to take short trips for mission trip, short term. But God, I know that besides giving, besides praying, I can write as well. So let's sing this song. That let us be a captain.